Hey yo, what's going down? You're on a new episode of that podcast they called the 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 the, the recovery pod. You don't have to have a different intro every time. <laughs> it's not necessary. I kind of do. I feel like I do. I don't know where it happened. It like it, it was just like, hey, what's going down? You're on the recovery pod, and then I think I said it different, like on episode like two or three. And then I just did it again, and I don't know. I feel like I have to. But then there's some where we just jump right in. So anyway, I do want to say, like, I got this cool phrase, right, that it, it, like, blew my mind when I heard it. I was like, yo, I've never heard it like that before. And it was just so different and so unique and so accurate, right? Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it later. Stay tuned. Oh, shit. Ah! But I really don't know where to go from there. <laughs> it's really the only thing on my mind. I'm not good at this. Well, we can talk about the meaning of it. No. And then at the end, say it. Oh, okay. No, I... I... No! Your ideas are terrible, and, and you didn't even finish what you were going to say. It's already... I already hate it. How about that last page we just read in that Power of Now, though? <laughs> yeah. I do want right. to say, though, like, the power of now, man, I was, like, really hating on. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on this pod. Like, oh, the power of now is cool, but it's kind of whack. Like, whatever one it was is just a bunch of one-liners, I guess. Stillness speaks, and it was still good. It was good. It I was never stillness good. <laughs> I never thought it wasn't good. <laughs> I just really, like, thought the power of now was that book. And I'm like, okay, the concept of the power of now is dope, but I don't like how it's just read in, like, line-by-line line format. I want, like, a narrative, like, paragraphs and chapters. Like, it was just line, 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 potent line, potent line. Like, I don't know. It was just hard for me to read with a flow. But I guess this whole time I had the Mandela effect, and really that was Stillness Speaks. Have you ever read The Power of Now? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Like, I'm pretty sure I did. Because even that last part seemed familiar to me. Um, but I do want to read it again. But I'm just, I, I want to I take back anything bad I ever said about the power of now. It is not, I, I redirect that hatred towards Stillness Speaks. <laughs> uh, no. But they're both fire. I, I, not, it, it's fire. It's just not my delivery method of fire. Yeah. No, I feel you. I So, I'm thinking back to when I was in Columbus, right? And I would read everything and anything I could mm. get my hands on. Because I popped my uh, spiritual awakening cherry mm. during <laughs> the <laughs> beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's where you read the four agreements and the fifth agreement. Or no, that's where you read um, the, the voice of knowledge. So, okay, so during the pandemic, I started with, I picked up the new earth again. Um, I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I have nothing else better to do, right? Mm. And I'm like, okay, this is incredible. And then I'm like... Okay, the power of now is next. Okay, this is amazing. And then we started dating, and I stayed at your house that one week before going to Columbus. 
and I found the voice of knowledge in your desk. Or it was just like laying there. I wasn't snooping. I I was cleaning your house, remember? Mm, Oh, I remember you cleaning my house. (laughs) So does all my missing shit. What? (laughs) No. I'm over it. It's not a resentment. Okay. So, and then I started reading that, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then after that, it's like when I was living by myself in Columbus, I was just like reading one book after the other after the other and that's when I came across Stillness Speaks and I thought that was fire but I'm sure if I try to read it now I wouldn't probably feel the same way but yeah it's like the what is it that we read the Tao the Tao Te Ching the Tao Te Ching where it's like yeah you you read a line and you gotta sit and you and you gotta let it soak right you got to let it soak for for like a few seconds or whatever, and it's not something you can read in one sitting, but I just read that bitch in one sitting. What happened... Ugh, that sounds horrible. Uh, what happened to me is I was... Um, I, I took the concept of spirituality, and, and I, it became my new dope. It was mm. just like, oh my God, this feels so good. I want to get high on it. And it's like... I want this and I want that and I want it all. And it's like, I was going nuts. I was going fucking nuts. And especially being alone, it was like I had all the time in the world. So I just fucking took it all in without really, really soaking shit in. So uh, I need to go back and reread all that shit. Right. (laughs) And really soak it in more. I can't read more than like, I mean, I guess, you know, I can't read a chapter today. Like if I read a chapter today and it's just like a, a topic or like a sub chapter, I can resonate with that concept longer. I get more details on the one subject and I could sit with it longer, I guess, after a day, week, month, whatever, as I read new things. Yeah, it probably isn't fresh in my memory, but when I'm reading like the Tao or I'm reading stillness speaks it's it's only like it's like oh dope line concept cool yeah that's cool but then if i i sometimes want to read more than 30 seconds right you know so by the if i continue to read for let's say five minutes i've burned through like 10 or 15 concepts that aren't necessarily related and it's just like too many you know things happen that i might have forgot the first five concepts by the time I'm done. So I don't know. It's just, that's why I don't like to sit down and read more than one chapter at a time. Like if I even get through a whole chapter, because I'll read, like I did that on the plane when I read, um, that one Don Miguel book, the, uh, three questions. Yeah. I read two chapters in a row cause I was on the plane by myself and I was just bored and I don't know my phone wasn't, I didn't have the internet. So I'm like, I just remember reading the first one I read and I was like, that was fire. And then I got into the second one and then just it totally shifted my whole focus. So I was like, what was that first one again? I don't know. I just didn't have time to sit with it. So my apologies to Power of Now. My disdain for Stillness Speaks. Stillness Speaks would be fire as like a a daily calendar or something. 
Yeah. You know, like a little one of them tear away things where you just get like a quote every day and you're just like, hell yeah. I mean, like the, the dope is shit. Just, yeah. But yeah. Um, we're going to see Eckhart Tolle. Tolle. I think it's Tolle. No idea. I always say Eckhart Tolle. I think it's just Toll. Toll Eckhart is his definite first name, unless it's Eckhart. <laughs> Mr. Toll, Tolle, or Tolly, whatever your name is. We're going to see you, homie. Um, I think it's going to be pretty dope. Like, I, like, this is kind of like how I view celebrities now. Because there was once upon a time where I'd be super hyped to see one, meet one, or whatever, be in proximity of one. But, like, with Eckhart Tolle being, like, my Eminem of authors <laughs> and it, it being the type of content it is, it's, like, I'm really, like, peaceful and neutral about going there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I look at it like, oh, cool, it's going to be, like, Eckhart Tolle the goat. And then, I, and then I'm immediately, like, he's just a person. Like... Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I can, I can separate the ego from it, you know, where I'm like, really, it's just his concepts I vibe with. He as a person is just a person. So, like, when people are like, oh, it'd be so cool if you met him or got a book signed, it's like, it would be cool. But it would be a material thing that I'm attached to. And it would be like, you know what I mean? Like, the hype around, which kind of sucks in a way that, like, sometimes it'd be like, Oh, if you met Eminem, like, I'm sure Eminem, I'd probably fangirl a little bit. But, like, oh, there's some, yeah, there's some other people, though, where I'd be like, cool. You know what I mean? And it sucks that the magic and that hype is gone. But I do like the fact that it's not overly hyped. Like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I can't even talk to him. Like, you know what I mean? That's just something I was thinking about, though, where I was just like, you know, it's cool to go see him. But at the same time, like, we are all. I I don't think he's like. So I see him and the other authors as like he's he's a little bit different. I feel like, cause he, I don't know about the other authors, but he himself went through like an in depth like experience of it happening, and he wasn't always like that. Yeah. So I almost feel closer to him than the others Mm. because the others they don't ever talk about what happened to them they don't ever relate it on a personal level but he he um he, he does and that's the difference between like you know seeing a therapist that you know seeing a substance abuse counselor who has been in recovery or one that hasn't So, um, he doesn't have many books. He just has the two, you know? And then the people like Don Miguel, Ruiz, they've got lots, feels like. He's got three. His son has lots. Three books. What about Deepak Chopra? I don't think Deepak's got, like, a doctor background. I don't Uh, think he's ever gone through any. I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's more. Deepak, from what I know has gone the medical doctor school background and some oh, of his okay. own theories have manifested from it. He's into like quantum realities and quantum physics and 
mind oh, body connections. He's fire. Like I, I like him a lot. Um, Sada Guru is the, another one that I know. He's like a yogi mystic from India. Um, he, as far as I know, f- discovered his own like lane of stillness in childhood where he would just go blank and mute and then like meditate. He, I think he said something like he just meditated for like whatever, 30 hours and it just went by in a blink of an eye for him, but he didn't move, didn't eat, didn't do anything. And people thought he was weird as a kid, Mm -hmm. but he just found like that presence and that inner state. Um, So he does relate it to on a personal level then. What he wants, yeah, with what he's experienced, how like stumbling not through like pain or trauma, but through experience. Don Miguel does talk in the four agreements about being an alcoholic at one point, or at least having an alcohol problem. And I think, I think he said he got to like a a depressive suicidal state. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I know there was something to do with alcohol at one point. And then, so he had his awakening from that. Um, and then his son. I just imagine was grown up with, you know, Don Miguel as a father, as well as other Toltec traditions and and family, because he talks about his grandma telling him things. He talks about his dad basically like not telling him, like explaining what it is, but sending him on quests with the explanation in mind. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So I can imagine that would have an effect like that's kind of like the same as like an adult child of an alcoholic. You know, you can't take away their experience from them. So you could say, oh, you're a good recovery coach because, or a good counselor because you've been in addiction, but someone else could be a good counselor because they've lived next door to addiction, yeah. you know, with their mom, brother, family, whatever. So. Well, either way, I just, I like, <clears throat> the reason why I like Eckhart Tolle is because the way he was relating himself to it and. Um, but I do have a lot of questions for him in regards to, um, there's, you know, he says it, he makes it sound really easy, you know, and and it, it should be easy, right? Mm-hmm. It's just as simple as here and now, right? Different gateways, blah, blah, blah. Well, for a normal person... I'm sure it is once they really grasp this concept. But there are people who really, really struggle with like trauma and, you know, personality disorders and stuff like that, that it makes it extremely difficult to get to that place. And that was going to be my question for him if I did get to ask anything what would you suggest as like how would you get to that for somebody like that and um i remember when i first got a hold of his book i was uh trying really hard i i thought that i could you know just be really present and i would try working on being present and stuff and it's like I overcomplicated it because it's not supposed to be that complicated. But then I'm like, you know, before I get to this, I have a lot of other shit I need to uncover because here it is, spiritual bypassing. It's, I'm just literally like 
trying to avoid everything. And, but like, really I'm not. Maybe in a way that being present with all those things is like, shows me what it is while I'm being there with it. But I don't know. It's really complicated. So I have like a little theory that I'm thinking of. Okay. Let me know what you think of it. So like, let's just picture there's the mind is a room, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody with thoughts, like we'll call them a normal person, is like having a TV on. You know what I mean? Where the TV plays experiences, thoughts, opinions, you know, conditionings, all that stuff, right? That's the thoughts. They flash across the screen, right? And some we can control, some we can't. So, like, the intrusive thoughts come, the memories come, the trauma comes. um, And then we also have a little bit of room to kind of create our own show, right? I feel like what Eckhart Tolle tries to, like, relay is that you are not the content of the screen, right? You are not the TV itself. You are the person in the room. You are the being, the consciousness in the room witnessing it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if it's a TV and it's, you know, moderately, you know, programming, whether that's like little conditions, boys don't cry, you know, your mom calling you stupid, you know, your own thoughts about yourself and self-doubt, like things like that. That's, you know, one thing. And maybe someone with a personality disorder or... (coughs) deep trauma or heavy addiction or really like fanatical attachment thinking, you know what I mean? Like maybe they're like a stadium speaker set up with like loud, aggressive, raw type Mm -hmm. content playing to where the goal of Eckhart Tolle's stuff is to realize, hey, you are not the content of that screen you are not what plays in that room you are the being in the room witnessing the room Mm -hmm. so if your thoughts are just like oh hey i'm daydreaming about the future pull myself back oh i'm thinking about the past when i called someone stupid like pull yourself back it's easier to when the when the content is lighthearted or just distracting just oh yeah i'm not my thoughts because that's hard enough in itself to say i'm not my thoughts i'm not my story i'm not the narrative like i'm not who i think i am and the world isn't as i think it is it's just kind of like one lens of it right but then when you add really hard trauma that just comes out like you're like okay i'm in this room i'm not this room boom and then something plays and you're like oh shit and you're reacting whether it's you or not, you know, you're still experiencing it. So it's like heavy and fast and dark. And then yeah. maybe the stuff playing on the screen is like horrible to you. And and it's like as much as you can sit in that room and say, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. It's still playing. You're still witnessing it. So it's, mm. you know what I mean? So like maybe it just makes it that much harder for someone with those things to get there. However, I will say that I feel like it is still possible. I feel like it's just harder, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that is a great metaphor, and that's what I'm trying to say exactly, what you're saying. It makes it harder, and I was wondering what he, if he had any thoughts on 
like how how would somebody with that be able to do it like just like everybody else yeah easier you know make it easier on them like um yeah i don't know what it's like for you but i i have horrible thoughts sometimes like i have shitty opinions of myself sometimes shitty opinions of the world and other people you know they don't just knock me to the floor but i also have like just really most of my dark thoughts come in the form of like shitty things that are happening in the world to like other people like when i see a kid just when i see a kid getting like mistreated or seeming unloved in public i just go on like a really dark imagination path to like how some kids are probably being very poorly mistreated and i just feel it but like i also can like pull myself out of that and just be like whatever like it's just a thought these things aren't happening and then just try to snap back into the here and now but it, it can be difficult so i actually have an answer for you of um the how difference how cool are you crickets playing in the background um so when you in your childhood there are basic things that your family that your guardian parent gives you um besides just teaching you how to walk talk and whatever they're supposed to teach you how to uh the number one most basic thing on a mental and emotional level is they somehow teach you how to self-soothe. Either by showing you how they self-soothe or by pushing you to self-soothe or something. Or allowing you to feel like it's okay for you to self-soothe. Giving you the room to self-soothe. There you go. Because self-soothing could actually come naturally. Mm-hmm. So, so you growing up, not now, so you growing up gain that ability. You know how to self-soothe, right? I do. So anytime something happens to you, whether it's you having these dark thoughts about the world or somebody hurting you or something, you go and you self-soothe. Not with drugs anymore. Not with drugs. That's not self-soothing. That's self-escaping. Continue. (laughs) Me, on the other hand, I never learned that. And I still don't know how. So that makes it difficult to stop and just, you know. Yeah, I mean, it may seem like I'm self-soothing a lot. Like, Like when I was a kid, I was an only child. You know, I... I was I had a big imagination. I played with toys a lot. So like I I can do that. Like I can like go into my own space, creep up in my head and I can entertain myself forever up there. Like being a writer, being someone who thinks, daydreams, has all these ideas, 
like blame my Leo moon, I guess. But like, I just have always had the habit uh, early on, like if I was bored, if I was mad and needed to just go somewhere, like I could go play with my toys. I'll just use that as an example because I feel like that's where a lot of it originated from. Why I got an inner monologue like I did, why I got you know, an imagination and creativity like I did because I would just go and play with my toys and act out scenes and, you know, do like narratives and voices or whatever, but just be playing quietly over there. Like just in my head though, it's just like the master's playing shit. And like, so like when I go self-soothe, it's not like I just go sit by myself and I feel better. I, I, I go and I creep up there and I go process and I go imagine and I go rehash and whatever else is the case I'm better now in recovery and with um some of these tools because like there's times where like if we get into it and, and we're feeling away I can totally go get into something else sometimes and be fine like I'm just in a new moment I I just kind of tap into what I can I I process what I can of the situation. I really let go of what I feel can and can't be changed. And and I'm I'm just done. And I'll go to work and have a good day or I'll do whatever. Um, there are some days where it's harder. But I, I'm, I think a lot of that has to do with like this presence and not just not identifying with your thoughts, but like tapping into where you're at, you know, can be really big. I don't know if that really related with what you were saying, but... I mean, note. yeah, it directly showed me that you have the ability mm. to self-soothe. <laughs> like, I don't know how to self-soothe. I just do this. Right. Yeah, it sounds like self-soothing, bro. Like, so this <laughs> ability to tap into where you're at, right, is what you said? Yeah. Like, elaborate on that. What is this tapping in? Tapping into where I'm at nowadays just looks like being in a new moment like I don't know listening like if I go like if I leave this if I get in a bad situation and I leave it I'll listen to the song as I leave I'll go into a new moment Mm -hmm. I don't go to the new space and tell everybody what just happened in the last space I don't go around the room to anybody who will listen and talk about how much Anna just pissed me off and tell everybody what just happened so therefore I'm not living in the past you know I'm not driving there you know, like, I don't know why I'm using us as an example. Maybe it's just like a because prime thing. Because it's our biggest what we're talking about. Yeah, we're not perfect. So I don't know. I guess like instead of leaving this moment with this tension, this situation and this, you know, perspective, I don't go into my next moment and carry it with me. I don't go there thinking of what you are not or running through like what was said and thinking about what's going to be done. I just really look at what happened as clearly as I can. And I'm just like, okay. And then I go somewhere with the only intention to get into a new moment. Like, like when I say I need to go like get rid of this feeling, I just need to like think of something else long enough where this mood leaves, you know what I mean? And That will come with, like, just doing something different. Now, there are times where if something big enough happens, I may go vent to some people or something like that. But I really try not to because all it does is redig. It just starts Mm -hmm. it all over again. And if I sit around just dwelling on it, it it reopens again because I'm sitting there just 
replaying it in my head, refeeling it again, or thinking about what I need to do about it, or how many times it'll happen in the future, or if I need to make a decision with this information, and all that stuff can invite more bad feelings. So I guess being in the moment is, is one, not carrying the old moment content with you, and two, tapping into the present, like the colors around you, the feelings, the textures, like grounding, you know, and getting engaged with something else. So in conclusion, you're able to be present with yourself in those moments. See. Okay. Oh, this was more like a rhetorical question? I. <laughs> you're just like, is this like when someone asks you how, how you doing and you give them the long answer? Like, is that no, what I just no, did? no, no, no. It was good. Uh, it was good for explaining your side. Now I need to explain what goes through my mind. But I didn't ask you. I'm trying to prove a point here. No. The point is you learn how to self-soothe is you're able to be present with yourself. Yes. Okay. I never learned that because my self-soothing moments looked like if I'm alone, I'm worthless. I am unloved, unlovable, and I am invalidated, and I don't know what to do with myself. Like, extremely lonely. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so let me just I have to re uh re 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 rewind a little bit. So the the biggest fact I learned is that when I'm alone I I had to like break this shit down with my therapist like piece by piece. It was like when I'm alone the ultimate thing is that I don't feel good enough. Because there's no way for me, I don't have a chance when I'm alone to continue to prove my self-worth. Now, which leads me to the topic of, I'm not going to say the words, I'll let you do the honors. (laughs) Spank her. Yes, she's being aggressive. I know, that's what I had to deal with every day the past week. Um, You're spoiling her. (laughs) Well, what the hell am I supposed to do? Beat her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're talking about a kitten here, just so everybody knows. It's not a human being. Anyways. What what does one child do with that? What does one person, or not person, but like a tiny human being who has no emotional knowledge of any sort, how do you cope with that? Well, you don't have a hold of drugs or alcohol yet or cigarettes or any other. So what do you do? Well, for me, I had to turn off all of my emotions. Mm. I had to shut them off and because fight or flight were when I'm alone, because I was alone, and fight or flight were not things that I was able to do. There's nobody for me to fight, and there's nobody for me to fly, flight from. So all I'm left is with dissociation, which carried over into all of my daily life 
I'm talking, you know, sitting there in class. Surprisingly, I still got straight A's, but I would literally dissociate when, you know, sometimes when people would talk to me and I'm just still talking about me being a little kid. So I was emotionally constipated. (laughs) It's where you start stuffing your feelings, you chart you know, rationalizing, pretending they're not there, telling people you're fine when you're not really fine, telling yourself you're fine when you're not really fine. No, it's not a big deal. You know, these things happen to everybody, which sometimes when used sparingly can save you from going down the victim stance road. But we're talking about when the shit gets backed up, It's not flowing out of your system. It is building and building, and the insides of your body don't have any more room for them. You're not letting it out. You're not letting it flow because you're afraid it's just going to cause a shit show. You are emotionally constipated. That is the phrase. And I heard it from a client at work where... He, I think he heard it in rehab, and that's the coolest thing. Like, pull me back if I get sidetracked because I feel like I'm going to go on a tangent. But, like, it's so cool that the essence of recovery itself is picking up pieces from somewhere and delivering them somewhere else. And, and I, I just love that about meetings, you know, therapy sessions, you know, fellowship conversations, fucking Facebook memes like everything is picked up somewhere you heard it somewhere you know somebody came up with it somewhere but you heard it 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 clicked it resonated you brought it somewhere else to share with someone else and then it clicks there and it clicks there and it just kind of spreads like wildfire so like hearing that phrase I'd never heard it like that you know I've heard oh you're stuffing your feelings you know, masks, you know, all that. But for some reason, the phrase emotional constipation, it just hit in such a profound way that added like layers to it for me, you know, and that's the the recovery process is a process of unpacking those layers of what am I feeling? Because half the time, I don't even know, like early on, I don't know. I just feel angry. I feel excited. I feel anxious. I feel upset. But it's like I might not really know exactly why. And it takes time to learn how to investigate that and dig a little bit. And not only that, but what do I do when I find it? You know, how do I communicate it? How do I address the problem instead of just stuffing it all in there or exploding everywhere and making just a full on shit show? Because that's not really fun either. So... So, moral side of the story, guys, make sure to take daily emotional dumps. Daily. Big ones. <laughs> or small ones. You know, what? whatever whatever is required. I, I, took a, I took a big one. Well, it was just, it was just like a mediocre sized where... <laughs> oh, my God. This is the content Fucking you guys what? asked for. This is what you asked for. So I'm sitting there and I'm hella fucked up from what was going on at work. And I'm just hella pissed off at this guy that I'm working with. And for the first time I was it. You fucking quit it. Where's your mouse? 
You about to get emotionally dumped on, little kitty cat? Um. So I'm sitting there in my chair, and I just got this, like, awareness of that feeling I have, this anger, this frustration, annoyance... She's too much right now. Did you fart? No. I think she farted. Oh, God. So that's some nasty farts. Anyways. So, yeah. Had this awareness of the feeling, and then I had this awareness of me not resisting it. Like, I literally just sat there, and I just let myself feel it. Not in a way where I was just going to, like, a fit of rage, you know, because... Because I was not emotionally backed up. Mm. Because I had no reason to start getting physical, to start... Because I don't have any resentments towards this guy. I don't even really have any emotional anything towards him. So, But it was just this feeling that I could feel flow through me. And I just sat there, like, in my chair, like this. And... Um, <laughs> thinking I'm on video. <laughs> oh, oh, like that? <laughs> and I just felt, for the first time, like, I felt my whole body like a shell. And I just sat in it. And, like, even though I had that feeling, I still felt a, like a very subtle, underneath all the layers, feeling of comfort. Mm-hmm. Like, I am okay in this feeling. And I'm just okay. But I still feel it. I feel, you know, the sensations, I have the thoughts, everything, but beneath everything, all that, I am comfortable. So, and this is just a huge stepping stone in my emotional recovery, where if before any feeling was uncomfortable, it was terrible, it was, you know, it it, it would, one like, one negative feeling would add on another layer of negative feeling, another layer of self-hatred and just uh, guilt and, oh, I can't believe I'm thinking this, I hate myself for this, you know, or just, you know, straight up, like, ignoring it and being already constipated with all the other things that have happened. So, yeah, just wanted to share that. Yeah. I know I stuffed my feelings a lot in active addiction. Like, I was a bottle up and explode type person. And it's really important not to do that in recovery. Like, you know, it's it's kind of entertaining the behavior that led you to addiction in the first place. You know, I, I know so many times I would get tired of bottling up so much. And I'd feel like I'd, I was hitting a wall where yeah. I was just talking to the phone. Like, you didn't even matter if you were listening or not. Like, um, no, I'm listening. No, I'm not saying that's... I'm saying that's okay. Like, you started going and you looked back to, like, confirm I'm listening. And I was just, like, in my head, like, just talking to the phone. Like, mm-hmm. just talking to hear myself talk, you know. I mean, Leo Moon energy. But um, but it's just really important to learn how to let that out. Otherwise, yes, you're going to build up to the point where someone's going to get it. And that person who gets it probably doesn't deserve it Mm -mm. and plus it's really an important skill to learn 
to be assertive, you know, to be upfront, to be honest, to be tactful in your delivery. And you're not going to figure these things out before you try to start doing them. You're not just going to learn enough out of a book or out of hearing people at meetings or practicing like scenarios in your head and then just be like, you know what, now I'm going to address problems because I know how to handle it perfectly. Because trust me, the game adapts, you know, and people don't, it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. So as soon as it doesn't, you're thrown off. Like, what do I do now? You have to learn to improvise, you know, you have to learn to go back to step one. You have to learn to revisit, you know, the principles of these types of things, being honest, being compassionate, letting people have a different perspective, you know, but like standing on your own a little bit and, and also seeing where your perspectives can be flexible. And that all comes with practice. Like none of us get into recovery and handle things the right way. None of us handle it the right way the rest of our lives once we do start kind of doing it the right way. You know, so it's kind of a constant analysis. We're human at the end of the day who, you know, we're flawed. We have emotions. We have reactions. We have beliefs that can suck us in and get us kind of stuck in our perspectives. You know, but the true gift of recovery, if, you, if you're able to find it, is examining those beliefs. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm in a confrontation, like we go through our things sometimes... You know, it's pretty easy to get sucked into a perspective of each other. I'm sure you can agree. Hmm. And <laughs> and um, it's hard in the moment to snap out of it. But luckily, I don't know what you do, but I walk away and can't help but reflect. I can't stay in the victim. You know, I, I can't stay in my righteousness for too long. Before I, you know, even if I'm 99% right in any situation, I can't help but at least see if I have some wrong there, you know. And if I only have 1% wrong, 10% wrong, depending on the person, the situation, how important it is to mend that altercation or relationship, you know, I, I might not go, I might not go out of my way to amend a 10% wrong with someone who's not really going to be reflective and try to work towards a solution if that makes sense you know what I mean like some asshole I work with or you know baby mama's on a crazy trip but I will always try to find and own my parts and speak on them when needed I don't know I feel like I'm getting like really sidetracked here but like the important thing is at least it's not staying within me like I'm not hiding and stuffing that 10% I could own and just denying it to feel right I'm not not saying some things that might be difficult because it may cause a problem or make my life inconvenient. You know what I mean? Like, even with you, like, I can't hold something in for too long. I really shut down. Like, I feel, I feel like it starts with one thing, and maybe that thing doesn't need to be addressed the first day. Maybe I need to sit on it for a minute and process it, but it has to come out, mm -hmm. you know? If I and, and for me, I'm still trying to find that window where it's too much. I'm pretty good at bringing up things, but I still have my days and situations and moments where I'll decide to sit on something for a minute and then it passes the point of no return and then it kind of sits till it has to come out. And then it's not really coming out in the most tactful way. It's just kind of 
all over the place. All over the walls. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I usually, uh, if something bothers me, I mention it right away. There's some things that I know that are very, very uh, touchy subjects for you that I don't always bring up, but I usually can work through them myself and other people. Would you like to list them off right now? Psych! We're not doing all that. Hell no. We're not doing that. Oh, we're not doing that. No, yeah, it's it's hard for a lot of things, you know. It, it, for me, it really depends on the timing and the situation. Like, we're continuing this pod, you know, two and a half months later. Because, you know, in the first part, we tried to pod, I think the day or the next day after kind of getting out of a little bit of a funk like out of Mm -hmm. you know and then we trickled into you know we can talk about something cool for a minute we can talk about what we just went through and then for me it, it it just shifted into talking too much about what i what it felt like at the time like listening back i can see like got triggered i got triggered i could see that you didn't intend for it to come out the way it was being received to me. But since it was so fresh in the past, you know, like right there in recent past, it just hit like, oh, here we go. Oh, shit. And by the time for me, like I, I really try to shake it like we've gotten better, but there's still days where even if I don't stuff it, even if I speak on it right away and even if you're like okay my bad or you know maybe not so quick to be like fully my bad but you get it right I'm already halfway there and for me once that ball starts rolling it's just so hard to stop it so you know I'm grateful I at least don't attack and get negative but I and I do still think there's work to be done to not only not get negative but not get not positive you know what i mean did that Mm -hmm. make sense Mm -hmm. so i i do that is something i want to work on it's just really hard for me to say that's what i want to work on in the moment because it feels like i have to let that part of myself go that that protection or it's not really a need to be right for the sake of being right but it is it is to a degree a sake of honoring myself and you know i think i hold on so strongly to that because it's something i never had an active addiction i was flimsy i was overthinking my own self for the cost of others not in like super not in ways that really affected me a lot like not like people were extremely taking advantage of me or anything like I absolutely have to do this life or death but enough so where once I learned how to do it and learned to value that I don't ever want to lose that you know what I mean so it is in my consciousness to shift that some right without feeling like I have to give it all away like have a balance yeah yeah. Yeah. Life is all about balance. Well, that's what I feel like step six is about, about defects. Like, 
you know, it's not that you necessarily... Because I feel like the way defects work is... Defects are not actually, like, defective. They're... All the defects are actually very effective. The reason why they become defects is because they're extreme. And they go from one side of the extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. You got the defect of laziness all the way to the defect of uh, overworking workaholic trying to escape. Right. You know. So it when you come to the middle you have you allow yourself rest but you also allow yourself to you know be a functioning part of society. So that's why step six, I think, was the hardest for me. Um, that's why it was hard for me back <laughs> way the hell back, which needs to be redone anyways. But um, because I struggled with extremes. Um, and I, I think that defects are all about finding some, you know, ground middle. And it's like also having the defect of being angry all the time and then having a defect of being a complete pushover and you know like stuff like that like so I heard at a meeting one time this lady who's kind of an OG um, she came in she's like I don't have character defects I have characteristics I use defectively hell yeah that is exactly it Yeah, that is on point yeah and it kind of goes into like this shadow stuff like I remember watching The Shadow Effect. It's on YouTube. It's pretty dope. It's Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra, Debbie Ford, and Mary Ann Williamson. Uh, I think I got them all right. So anyway, like the, it's got all of them in it, but Debbie Ford kind of um, leads the video. And I've showed it in group before. It's pretty good. And she talks about The Shadow, like kind of finding ways to use your defects effectively you know what i mean she's like if someone was like oh you're a bitch you know what i mean you can take that wrong and be like damn i am a bitch and it's so wrong to be a bitch and blah 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 and i only mean bitch in the common term of like being rude and you know aggressive not not meaning a female i don't know why i just constantly feel a need to like (laughs) disclosure don't cancel me um but she's like you know, during her shadow work, she was like told, well, are there any situations where being a bitch has served you? And she's like, well, this guy was dragging his feet, getting my house done, you know, and, and I had we had a deadline. We had an agreement and he was not holding up to his end of the deal. And I had to get bitchy to get him to, you know, get it in the gear. You know, I had to let that part of me come out for the good you know, and, and that could be assertiveness and that could, you know, maybe doesn't have to be the extreme of, you know, you're being really rude to this customer because they didn't have your flavor of ice cream or you're telling someone, no, you need to get this work done. That's what you said you'd do. You know, like the context is different, so it can play to the mood. But, um, you know, even the defect of being aggressive, angry and violent could be put to good use if you're protecting somebody like one of your kids from danger you know what i mean Mm -hmm. from a predator or something so 
Um, finding ways to, to, to utilize and channel that shadow work and to reframe how it's used can, can be a big step too, because if you're thinking in terms of all or nothing, like I can never be sassy or fuck it. I'm just going to let the sass train you know, ride like that's two extremes, but finding like, Oh, I can be sassy when I'm joking with my friends, like outside while we're bullshitting but maybe when i'm in my work meetings i can tone it down a little bit which i'm still working on (laughs) right it's like the um defects like we've said in other pods that they're just you found a characteristic in you that you wanted you were so good at it that you wanted to use it to protect yourself. And so you just kind of maximized it. You know, like your adrenaline rush kicked in and you just put it into overdrive. Like, for example, um, like, so emotional constipation. You, in the moment, you don't know what to do with this feeling. You don't know how to process it. Your brain does not know how because you haven't been given the skill set to from your parents or guardian, whoever. So you stuff it, you put it away to protect yourself. Now, there could also be a good side to this where you don't jump to the extreme where, you know, in the moment you're able to proceed with like daily tasks you know you can be functioning um to to a degree and also you're not sitting there playing the victim all day every day and falling into deep depression so i guess there is a little bit of a good side to it if you don't like completely just shut your emotions off right but if you can just like tuck them away for a little bit and then bring them back when you're home and you're ready to process and break down and scream and whatever like but that is that balance right there that like because it's so easy to jump from one extreme to another it is so so easy and that's just our automatic impulse it's almost like instinct to do that like for for example like you end up you know getting hurt enough times And then you're just like, oh, well, it hurts to love people. Loving hurts. So I'm just going to stop loving people, like, in general. I'm just going to keep them at arm's length. Like, it's it's easier to jump to that all the way there rather than learning the balance of, okay, maybe I won't, you know, make them my entire world, but then maybe I won't feel like they're never going to be that or, you know, it's not going to be like that ever again, you know? It's kind of like that episode of South Park where they fart or they start holding in all their farts and it starts messing up the ozone. So then everybody's like, you have to fart, you know, and then everybody just farts all the time. And then it like messes up the ozone. And it's like at the end of the episode, they're like, you know what? We need to just fart moderately. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Like back to where we were. Like normal. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much the sum of this episode. So hope you enjoyed it. Emotional constipation. We'll probably call it something else to keep the uh, Emotional phrase farting. super secret. I'm going to emotionally fart on you.
Yeah. Moral of the story, you don't want to sit on the toilet all day long, but you know what I mean? You don't want to not see it for a week either. So use your emotional dumping accurately. Let a little build up as much as you can tolerate. But you know what? When you need to release, let it go. Trust me, you'll feel better. <laughs>